Caleb turned on the mixer and it hummed to life and its lights filled the podcast studio with an eerie glow. He then plugged the mixer cable into his laptop and commenced to open Audacity, but the program was slow to boot up and so he waited impatiently. The program loaded. Ash and Spencer joined Caleb to discuss Blood Meridian or the Evening Redness in the West by Cormac McCarthy. All three men were weary from the read and so their usual merriment was lost in the folds of bitter resentment for having wasted weeks of their life reading such an unpleasant book. Soon they would complain about McCarthy's basic yet unstructured writing style and how he forgoes quotations during dialogue for no apparent reason and they would discuss how he writes scenes moment to moment, step by step with little to no comma breaks in the sentences and how this muddles the reading experience, but first, they would introduce the podcast to the listeners. You are listening to the Drunken Men Writing Podcast. I guess I should probably do that in Spanish because there's a lot of Spanish in this book. But uh, I don't know how you say podcast in Spanish. Podcast. I don't know. Podcast? I don't think it's podcast. I think it is slightly podcast. It's a loan word. Uh, with me today, Spencer of the Guatemalan Gringo Church. And uh, can you be a Guatemalan gringo? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. but I think basically if you're... Gringo if, is no one from Mexico. Like, if you're not so Mexican, you're a gringo. Uh, yeah. Huh. Learn something today. And I would almost <laughs> I would almost assume you could almost take that to, like, if you're anything outside of the place that you're at. Like, you know, even, like, we could, go, you know, go to, like, England. Oh, and that wouldn't make sense because we look alike. But you know what I mean. Just, just stop talking. <laughs> there ain't no English gringos. You don't know. I don't know what they do if you go and went over. Hey, you fucking gringo. I say. With the deep Nigel Thornberry baritone over there. Uh, from Parts Unknown, Mr. Ashley Hatter. You really, really loved Blood Meridian, so we had to have you on. Oh, you know. It's the greatest thing I've ever read. <laughs> so Blood Meridian... It's just a story about people getting killed. It's a Western that's an anti-Western by one Charlie McCarthy's. Wouldn't that make it Eastern? Eastern? Yeah, the opposite of West is East, right? So it'd be an Eastern. If it's an anti-Western, it's totally an Eastern. Well, that'd be set in Asia then. Mm -hmm. Or Russia. I want to see the Russian version of a Western. Yeah, this is like a day-to-day version of Russia. This is just like a trip down St. Petersburg on Tuesday. Well, you know what this reminded me of? Pain. The Wild West Road. <laughs> the Wild West, <laughs> the road. It's just, <laughs> it really is just the road set in the Wild West. It's fucking dumb. Like, is his world just everything just bleak Terrible. and awful and just the end of the, because this is supposed to be set in the 1800s and it's just uh, violence and awful people. There's no good people in this book. There's no protagonist at all. It's all antagonist. And uh, what about the kid? The kid's also an antagonist because he is a piece of shit, too. Uh, I guess he's the better piece of shit. Or I don't know. <laughs> Elephant in the room. Of all the turds, this is the shiniest one. He's the most brilliant and the best bouquet of turds. Uh, no. <laughs> I will say, this, uh, j- fucking, to address the elephant in the room, none of us finished this book. No. <laughs> that's the first time that's ever happened. I haven't abandoned a book in... I don't even know if I've ever abandoned a book. I mean, you guys read House of Leaves. Yeah, we read House of Leaves (laughs) cover to cover. I haven't even quit Jerusalem, technically. I'm still reading that just one page every month. (laughs) Uh, The story of Blood Meridian is pretty simple. A kid. The kid. Who goes by the name The Kid from Tennessee. Mm. I don't know. He fights with his mom or something. And then he just goes, I'm fucking leaving. And then he goes and joins a gang. And they're a gang of scalpers. And they scalp people and fight Apache Indians. But then all of a sudden they decide, hey, you know what? We can get more scalps if we decide to also scalp innocent Indians. And then innocent Mexicans. And then we just go on a, a pleasure cruise of murder. That's about it. There's mm. a Which I think if I would have got to any part of that, I would have maybe enjoyed it. But, like, where I quit, I think they were just getting ready to, like, the kid and one other guy was, like, separated from the whole group. And I was just like, I don't know what's going on. Well, what I didn't care, like, besides the writing style, we'll get to that last. Because that's the main reason why I I would say most of us, if not all of us, did not read the book to completion was because of the writing style. But, for one, what I didn't like was the book was just violence for violence sake. It was just violence is violence and nothing more. 
that's like I get, that's what he was going for too, which is what's kind of perplexing. It's just supposed to show the human tendency for violence and how it doesn't have to have any meaning to it. And his writing style reflects that because you know there's nonstop violence that goes throughout this book, but it's written in such a mundane way that it just shows that oh well, if you have this much violence. It becomes so commonplace that it just becomes mundane and it's nothing worth having a moment where you stay with that moment to reflect on it or anything. It's just, oh, babe, somebody got killed again. Oh, there's hooks going through the jaws of dead babies. That's just, that's normal. And it just every fucking chapter was like that. It's like, oh, my goodness. I hate it. I don't want that yeah. much violence if there's no point to the violence. That's, that's one thing I hate about reading nihilistic authors is came to the conclusion a while ago that nihilism is like the most infantile and immature philosophy that one can adapt for themselves and because it's like oh there's no point to anything you know anything goes because there's no point to i'm like okay well you know as soon as you get out of your goth scene kid my chemical <laughs> romance obsession can we maybe have an actual conversation but uh, that's that's cormac mccarthy is still putting on black eyeliner and yeah you know, listening to <laughs> The Black Parade on repeat. <laughs> I just see, I wish that was on the back cover. Just have, <laughs> a picture of him with guy liner on. Yeah, that's when he's Charlie McCarthy. <laughs> and Cormac Chucky. is his literary Chucky. persona. <laughs> well, like you said about there being no point. The the problem is from a writing perspective. When there's no point to the story, what's the point in reading the story? Because this ends because. You meet a character, the judge, Judge Holden, and he's this yeah. one because everyone says he's, you know, the baddest character in all of literature and he's the most violent and crazy, but he's also sophisticated and he knows French and he draws and he does all this shit. And I actually took a quote from the book. It's the only one I actually remember. I still wrote it down here. Um, <laughs> it's from the quote's probably like 15,000 words long, probably. <laughs> no, I got the shortest the one. Commas. It, it, well, I just feel this sums up the judge character. This was. I want oh, fucking don't even remember. I think that Toadvine guy was Toadvine was his name. Was a guy with no ears. Was asking him. He was asking the judge why he was drawing or something because I think he was drawing animals that don't exist. But the quote here pretty much sums up the character. Whatever in creation exists without my knowledge exists without my consent. Which just kind of seems that he has to be in control of everything. And you know, big spoiler here. He's a huge pedophile. Every every time he goes, he's raping some kids. Which is just like another thing that's like I don't want to read this. This is awful. Yeah. And and then it ends with man rape. Well, it supposedly it seems like he was just down for any rape, any unconsensual sex. Well, he knew the kid from when he was like a fourteen-year-old kid when he first met him. But then I think because the book ends with he meets him at a bar, the kid when he's the man, and he's like I don't know forty something or I don't and I don't know how old this judge is. He's a giant seven-foot albino super jacked Woody Harrelson is what I picture. Like he's real buff but, or something. I don't know, but he's albino. He has no hair and he's white. And every time he does some raping, he always ends up dancing naked. Now at the end of this book, he ends up having words with the kid in a bar. And then the kid goes to the outhouse or a fucking huge room. I, I, I couldn't get the picture. I, I skimmed, Like I said, we didn't read the book, but I did skim through the ending. We'll try. I, that's how I read this book is skim it. But it's alluded to that he rapes the kid as a grown man, but you don't know. And you think, is he, did he rape him to death? They find, like, people walk in after, you know, to see the aftermath. But they do, It's so horrifying. H.P. Lovecraft all of a sudden hops in. Yeah. It's so horrifying that there's no words to describe it. And then uh, <laughs> it just cuts to the judge dancing naked in the bar, which is his rape move. He's like a leather face with the chainsaw dance, except for his is he slaps his albino python around like <laughs> it's fucking gross. <laughs> which, which you think even at that point he must have got he must have been getting sick and tired of writing his own story because he spends the whole the whole host of the book detailing every bit of just everything. Yeah. But when it comes to the end, he's just like he made a guy raped to death. Maybe not. Like, that's a big hot point of contention is nobody knows if that's how it ends. And there's all these essays and stuff written about, is this the true ending? And he has this big fucking monologue about uh, dancing. I don't even know. It, it, I found it stupid. Could, could you imagine if you went to college and you had, like, a writing or literary class and that was your assignment? It was about the road? Or, I mean, about uh, yeah. the Meridian? Brother reading, or specifically about that end, about the mm. man rape at the end. But like, come on, is this what I'm paying all this money for? <laughs> like, 
taking out thousands of dollars in student debt to talk about man rape. <laughs> okay. Well, All you're right. not seeing the because I've watched some uh, documentaries, quote unquote, about this book, and uh. the thing is, you're not seeing the beauty and the violence, man. You're not seeing how violence is ugly but beautiful and part of the human spirit, man. And you're not Isn't seeing how man rape can be said? sexy. And yeah, I don't, I don't. Know. That sounds like security. Ted Bundy said something similar, didn't he? <laughs> like, oh, most likely I love killing these people, and you know. Dissecting these women and licking their insides, and I really see the the beauty in this violence, but the violence also in beauty. Mm, oh, yes, this is something Chuck Palahniuk would say. Very, <laughs> you know, jerking off the bottom of a pool. Yeah, with your bum hole getting stuck to stuff. I mm. I don't want to talk about haunted ever again. We talk about it enough. Anyway, we talked about it. It's popped up on a few lists already. We did for Halloween. I don't want to ever talk about that again. But dude, it has masseuses that kill through touch. That's oh, I mean, stupid. Fucking dumb. <laughs> Going back to Blood Meridian, because we don't want to talk about dumb mm. things. We want to talk about fucking highfalutin society. <laughs> Intellectual dumb things. Wonderfully written, beautiful books of violence and depravity. You obviously <laughs> don't understand the nuances of such high literature. <laughs> Go ahead, Spencer, your turn. I can't, I, I can't do anything after that. I like books with words, <laughs> but not big words. <laughs> if we want to break down the actual content of this book and the style-wise, now I actually like that he incorporated a lot of Spanish into this book until I got entirely bored with it, but I can see how some readers who don't want to read pages of Spanish would be turned off by that, especially since he writes Spanish in a way that I don't because I'm not fluent in Spanish, so I don't know if, you know... It's just the way actual Spanish speakers would speak, or if he's just making shit up, or yeah. he's going by Spanish fucking English dictionary. I don't know. But, like, the writing style, like, it seemed like you were saying earlier how he focuses on great detail, but it's on things that don't really matter. Like, I, how I said the landscape they're walking through in the desert of the Southwest, see, like Texas and Mexico, seemed like uh, the road, because everything was so desolate and barren and just awful, and... He every fucking page. It seemed like that's what he was writing about well, in most detail was the scenery. Well, we we've talked about an off podcast just as we were trying to read this thing that there have been multiple times where I've read a page and I got to the end of the page and I was just like, "What happened? What? I have no <laughs> idea what I just read." Like, well, there was many times where I was kind of zoning out and then I went back and I was reading and I was like, "Wait, I read this whole page, page already. Yeah, yeah. I don't even remember <laughs> them what I read." That thing you sent me in Messenger the other day, bro, like the the it was like that the, the the block thing to like help keep your where you're reading. Yeah, that might have that helped would it. have been useful for this book because <laughs> like yeah, I kept on getting lost in mid read of a page. What well, doesn't help when a paragraph's like two and a half pages long with no quotations or commas or anything. Also, and th now this is why this book is considered such a great by many the greatest uh, American novel by the greatest American author. I don't. It's an old white guy, probably Blah. pretty much. When uh, was it? When was it written? Eighty something, eighty five maybe. But back in the days of cocaine. Yeah, I wonder. He he wouldn't do cocaine. He only hangs out with scientists. He can't do cocaine. Um, when he, more, hangs, he hangs out with scientists, but than like cocaine and all that yeah. crossing the border. Well, that would have made the book interesting if he was on cocaine when he wrote it. I mean, look at Cujo. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Cujo. <laughs> The, why this track. book is considered so great is because all the great literary references. Uh, it's supposed to be in the vein of Moby Dick. I didn't see it. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, because you fucking, you skipped most of Moby Dick and went to the end. Yeah, I could see how that is. Uh... I didn't care about the fish parts of Moby Dick. <laughs> there was, what was it? The fucking, oh, there was a literary reference to John Milton's Paradise Lost, which I don't think I actually got to this part because I don't remember it. But there's a scene where they get to a volcano and they're being chased by Apaches. And they're out of gunpowder, but because the judge is such a fucking intellectual, he just knows that if you piss on volcanic soil, it makes a cheap gunpowder. And somehow that's uh, a huge reference to... I never read John Milton's Paradise Lost, so I don't know, but apparently that's a huge reference to that, and everyone was loving it. And I think that book is like about fucking devils or something. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, uh, it details the story of Lucifer being cast out of heaven and him trying to piss on get volcanoes. To, yeah, apparently, you know. <laughs> and thou hast been cast out of paradise and must piss upon volcanic dirt, creating gunpowder for Remington and all the other brands of rifles. 
<sighs> Forever. Amen. So you think with the judge being an albino, you think like the last place he would spend all of his time would be the desert. I don't understand how. <laughs> and he was like dressed to the gills too, wasn't he? All the time, like he was all like all black. I wasn't yeah. he? That's all. Anytime I saw a thing about him, he was like an all black. And I, I could be making this up. Did he not sweat? Yeah, we'll do Maybe in his frenzy of and, uh, raping. Yeah. For when he wakes up the sweat. I think there was supposed to be some big metaphor too about how. His raping wasn't about sex or power. It was like something I for, I forget what it was. I think it's in his big stupid monologue about dancing at the end. It's about spiritual rape. I don't fucking know. Um, it's like a Bob Ross experience. You know? <laughs> it's about the joy of raping. Just dab a little bit here, <laughs> dab a little bit there. <laughs> there, are, there are no bad rapes. It's just happy little accidents. Oh, sometimes it goes in and it was an accident. You just pull it back out. All right. I'm going to read this so the listeners will have, for those who have not read Blood Meridian, will have an idea of the writing style we're talking about. And then we'll each tell what we didn't like about the book or when or why we bailed the book. You know, bailed from (laughs) reading the book. Also, this sucks. No. (laughs) I don't fucking like it. Uh, This is where I bailed. I think I did read some, maybe a whole chapter after this, but I don't remember any of it. This is where I really fell out. (laughs) Page one. 14, 115. I'm just going to, because it's one paragraph that goes, I'm not going to read this beginning, but this this is just one paragraph, so keep this in mind when I'm out of breath and wheezing, because a lot of this is not commas. I'm going to read it, how it's written. (laughs) Oh, okay. I don't even know this guy's name. Also, I think they said this was McCarthy's last book where he used big words. Or, like, try to use fancier words. Because I remember, like I said, I read The Road, and I actually liked The Road, just not really the writing style. Though I did see how it fit. I thought he did that specifically for The Road. I didn't know that's how he, you know, wrote. Yeah. But he didn't use, like, these ridiculous words that he uses in this book. Apparently, he's a a, a real smart fella. And he likes to <laughs> smell his own farts. Highfalutant. Highfalutin fart smeller. Suddenly, Bathcat and one of the Delawares turned their horses and quartered them and called out, and the company turned and milled and began to line out down the lake bed toward the thin line of scrub that marked the shore. Men were leaping from their horses and hobbling them instantly with loops of rope ready-made. By the time the animals were secured and they had thrown themselves on the ground under the creosote bushes with their weapons ready, the riders were beginning to appear far out on the lake bed, a thin frieze of mounted archers that trembled and veered in the rising heat. They crossed before the sun and vanished one by one and reappeared again and they were black in the sun and they rode out of that vanished sea like burnt phantoms with the legs of the animals kicking up the spume that was not real and they were lost in the sun and lost in the lake and they shimmered and slurred together and separated again and they augmented by planes and lord avatars and began to coalesce and there began to appear above them in the dawn broached sky a hellish likeness of their ranks riding huge and inverted and the horse's legs incredibly elongate trampling down the high thin cirrus and the howling anti-warriors pendant from their mounts immense and chimeric and the high wild cries carrying that flat and barren pan like the cries of souls broke through some misweave in the weft of things into the world below fucking christ that what is you, that? That took you almost two minutes. I was watching the <laughs> watching the thing. It's stupid. I like the I did I did like the part about the phantoms, but that sentence, no joke, was like fucking ten long, twenty long. I don't know how long that was. Most of that was one sentence. I don't like it. Were <laughs> you just throwing out numbers? It was ten long. It was <laughs> it was a hundred long. <laughs> 100 it was 100 100 damn it 100 sentences it was long it was a thousand i would like to do if i can i didn't bookmark any of this Uh, okay ah that's all spanish i'm not gonna read that and sound (laughs) stupid um i would like because isn't there some well ash i remember we talked about this when we started the book how he'll have a character speak a certain way, and literally even in mid-sentence, they speak a different way again. Yeah. Like, it's not, like, fluid. It's not like they're... It's not like their sentences really make sense for how they speak, because, okay, you're gonna have accents or a certain speech pattern for someone, but then you break it in the same sentence or the same amount of dialogue. You know what you should do yeah, for like- the people? You should uh, pick a beginning of the chapter and just read all those things in the beginning of the chapter that tells you what the chapter's about. Yeah, we'll do that. That's a good idea. Go what on. Was, what were you gonna say, Ashley? Uh, I was gonna say, like Cormac, it's 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 almost comical in that it it seems like he forgets halfway through writing the person's dialogue because it's like ten pages long anyway. Yeah, that's that true. he's supposed to use a certain word in a certain way, like 
come over here, boy, and I do this. And would you be so kind as to come over here and look at the road? And, you know, I'd, I've been trying to get my mail the past three. I'm like, God damn, man, just make up your mind. It's very Is annoying. he Jamaican? Is he from Brooklyn? Is he, I don't know. Is he a Guatemalan gringo? I don't know. <laughs> just come on. Okay, so I just opened a chapter 12. Okay. So, uh, like you said, every chapter starts it's just fucking word salad it tells you the whole chapter in individual words like what's going on so here's what chapter 12 has to tell us what this chapter is going to be about crossing the borders storms ice and lightning the slain argonauts the azimuth rendezvous councils of war slaughters of the galenos death of juan miguel the dead in the lake the chief an apache child on the desert night fires el verote a surgery the judge takes a scalp Un Hasanado Galegueo Ciudad de Chihuahua Chihuahua City. So fucking why are we doing this? Why why are we doing this, Cormac? What's the point of this in it's, every fucking it's chapter? Like he's trying to be like freaking well, if you go back and read like uh Oliver Twist and a bunch of old novels that were serialized, he would um like Dickens and all them would write about what to expect. That way, um with the particular intent that you know, people buying issue by issue could order it that way. They could be like, okay, well, I haven't read this one because this is detailing something I don't know about. It's like uh, watching an old, you know, TV show being like on the previous episode, on the last episode. And so it, it kind of gives you that that way of it, knowing what's in the chapter without having to go through the entire chapter. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think Cormac McCarthy's uh, pulling the Dickens. Well, let me retort with Across the Prairie. A herm? No, okay, I'm not. That, that got very racist. <laughs> the third one, I forgot. Yeah, There's a lot of racist yeah, language. Yeah. You open up with the N word. All right, buddy. Uh, I'm not reading that on there. Uh, so, but that's that's what you know. It's going to be yeah. in the chat. I guess that could be a good th for this. I thought, oh, this is what's coming in the chapter. But when it came, I didn't even realize. Yeah. Like like a woman with a man with a small penis. Like when it came, I didn't even realize it happened. It just it it spurred it off, and then I was like, oh wait, there was supposed to be some scalping here. Where yeah. was that at? And then I have to go back and reread. Oh man, this dialogue I don't think is very good either. I don't, I'm not going to read that. That's that's terrible. I want to find like the accented dialogue because that makes me happy. It's like HP Lovecraft dialogue. Yeah, but at least his was Lovecraft. consistent. Like if he had a fucking yeah. mountain yokel that spoke a certain way, that person spoke that, that way, way throughout the whole story. Yeah. Not yeah, Cormac. Yeah, over them, there mountains and As far as I could tell, the only consistent dialogue was the stupid judge. Everyone I think that's the only character he cared about. Yeah, yeah that's what it seemed like. How do you guys feel about when a book has like two titles? Like the fucking Blood Meridian or the Evening Redness in the West. I wish yeah. he would have went with the Evening Redness in the West because then it would have became as famous because now everyone's like, that's a stupid yeah. name. I'm not reading that. Yeah, Blood Meridian sounds very sexual. Well, the whole Meridian thing, like, I forget <laughs> what I was... It was with the sky or something. like the, the Yeah, but it had, like, multiple meanings and something fucking beginnings and ends and circles and I don't know. It, we both watched <laughs> the same documentary, but we we should have watched that before we did this not months I, ago. I don't know because watching, after watching a couple of those videos you sent me, I was still just like, I don't... I don't get it. I don't understand. <laughs> I watched a video that was 20 minutes long entitled, What is the Point of Blood Meridian? Followed up by yeah, a 20 minute long video of explaining the ending of Blood Meridian by the same person. And both videos, super detailed, a lot of description, very helpful. And I didn't understand anything. I well, still don't. Well, then even the guy doing the video at times would just be like, would "Could you, mean this? Could, could mean, mean that?" But was also just like he would he would explain things multiple times, or he would he would go and reference things from different parts of the book, and it just was just still so utterly clusterfucked and confusing. And it was just still like. I don't get what's going on. And what was it's the like point going of the to the doctor with a hangnail and being like, "Doctor, what's going on?" And he just throws Gray's Anatomy at you. Well, let's start with the bladder and the gallbladder <laughs> and talk about. We're gonna bring in Freud too. Uh, did your father rape you at all? Was there lupus involved? My finger hurts, sir. <laughs> Help my finger. I don't know if you guys made it this far, but what was the fucking point of the juggler besides I, to annoy me? I, I didn't make it that. The Spanish-speaking juggler that had no point well his wife i know was important because she was a fortune teller and she tells the fortune of one of the generals and it's ominous and he's gonna die and then he dies but the fucking juggler just juggling and they're gonna shoot him and they're not gonna shoot him. i'm like why are we doing this 
Like, it's why like do you they're intru- juggling their decision is what they're doing. I just don't know why you would introduce characters that have little to no point to a story. I just assume that's the entire book, dude. <laughs> is it, I, well, I just assume that he just introduces characters just so they can get scalped later. I don't think that's they got scalped like. though. I don't. I, they might have. I don't fucking know. I don't know anything. I read the. I I read so many reviews that touched on the whole like, why did he introduce this character or any of the characters when he's just going to kill him like two pages later in a violent manner? And like, so many people were turned off by that. They're like, there's no point in memorizing character names or histories or anything like that. Just know that hey, character X Y Z enters and gets killed, and then character five point two enters, gets killed. And I've got to I was do like, some yeah, murdering. Much. Well, I must go with this whole fucking philosophy of violence is just violence, and it just happens. So people just come and go in your life without any reason. Because I feel like Cormac McCarthy is the kind of guy that doesn't have a lot of personal connections. So maybe people just come in his life, and he just barely acknowledges them, and then they're gone forever. How many characters in this story had actual names? Toadvine. That's not a name, though. <laughs> well, that's the closest you have to that's a just name. Two ubiquitous nouns thrown together. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like you know, there was my name is Heel Toe. But there wasn't like a Steve or like a Joe, or you know, it was always like the kid or the judge or the or juggler. The yeah, like you know, know what I mean? There was nobody. So you don't even give your characters names because it's such a violent world. You don't need to get attached to anybody. There need- needs to be no personality to these people because if there were, you would care about them, and that's fucking dumb. You don't care about people because you're Cormac McCarthy. You're an old grizzled curmudgeon. Sorry. I would like to read the opposite of hedonism, honestly, (laughs) like hedonism is all about, you know, taking pleasure in life and pursuing what feels good and all this stuff. The hedonists of ancient Greek and then you had the nihilists of Germany, which, you know, we all saw how that turned out. I don't know. I kind of like the hedonists a little better than the nihilists. At least we didn't get Nazis. I'd rather eat grapes and have people rub me down, or even do the rubbing down, than extermination of mass amounts of people. I don't think the uh, latter is very... It's just not a good way to live, because... Yeah. Um, I would like to read just a random page, because this was one of the big action scenes early on that really hooked me into this book. I know it hooked you. I think this is when he fights Toadvine, actually. Did he fight Toadvine? Was that who... In the mud pit thing? Because you were like... Who's Toadvine? I was like the, the the main guy that he beat up or fought or got beat up by. I don't. Yeah, they're in the mud. Were they naked? Could be. They're. I don't. I, this scene too. Just prefacing this. <laughs> what, what the fuck were they on that they ended up in the mud? Was it wood over a hunk of mud or was it a bridge? I have no idea. It was written in a way that I and I wasn't rereading and dissecting yeah. one scene of like, oh, why are they fighting in the mud? How do they get in the mud? I just know they were in the mud. Well, let's say that's like that literary group that we went and gave you a shit when you first started reading this and was just like, and they was just like, you need to take your time to read. It shouldn't take me like 15 minutes to read a page. No. That's bad writing. Yeah. That's that's bad writing. It shouldn't make me question everything either, especially when the kids like at the very beginning of the book is like, oh, and I ran away from home because my mom didn't care about me and my dad didn't care about me and nobody cared. And I was shot through the chest and somebody took care of me. I was like, Whoa, whoa, what? This is the old <laughs> Western. You were shot through the chest and survived and then just ran away from the woman that helped? What? How did you survive? Like It wasn't very uh, fleshed out there. Yeah, he just... He's the kid. Well, that's how little impact... That's the beginning of the book, and I completely forgot that yeah. happened until you mentioned it. I was yeah. like, when did he get fucking shot? Oh, yeah, that's how it opens. He uh, <laughs> fucking stupid. My uh, mom doesn't like me. I was shot, by the way. Now, I, I will say this... Because I'd like to think between the three of us, we've read some pretty fucking, you know, higher up fiction or some more <laughs> classic literature that wasn't haunted, you know, yeah. like things that you have to take your time and really appreciate. And a lot of references and metaphors might go over your head. But this book, I just don't get. And there is a, like I've spoken to a lot of people now in the classic group, you know, like from Tim from the comic shop. There's a lot of people who really like this book. So... I don't want to just be like, oh, this book completely sucks. It just is, it's not for me. Like, maybe people just tend to read differently, yeah. where some are slower and can really absorb the material. The way I read, it just was not happening for me. Blood Meridian seems like homework. Yeah. It seems like something yeah, that's that, a good you, way of putting it. that, like, 
probably something in like a, in a higher high school or college, a thing that you would read and dis- take like a semester to dissect and go through everything. Which is because I always talk about how fucking Finnegan's Wake is nonsense, but there's book groups that have spent 20, 30 years just on that one book. I think people who like to highlight passages, like to reflect on passages, like to... uh really think of the meaning of what is going on, they would actually probably get a lot from this book. I don't have time for that. I read for enjoyment. I read for escapism and enjoyment, and if there happens to be things that I take away from the book that enrich my life, I am happy. Yeah. But Blood Meridian was just violence, and I don't really fucking care about old white guys in the West killing brown people. It's just not for me. Which is which is saying something, because we both have read it. You know, I'm sure all of us have, have read or watched things and 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 read things for violence just for violence sake you know what i mean but they always have a point usually like look at any quentin tarantino Uh, movie there's usually well things that are at least decent like i haven't watched something that was just violence for violence sake that unless you're watching like horror splatter movies or something but oh okay so like like something with even a basic level moral or lesson or something like that some some basic level message because i was gonna say like i've read chuck palahniuk's fight club yeah i saw the movie the movie was better about and it just seemed like obviously he's railing against capitalism and the evils of blah 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 and fatherless homes and all this stuff. So there are messages. They're just kind of pedantic. At, I mean, when you when you really look at it, they're like, okay, well, you could have spent two pages on this, but you decided to bring an entire novel. That's cool. It's cool, man. But uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's all good, man. <laughs> Whatever you want to do, you you just pull up a jet, man. You're all good here, man. You made several million dollars from it, so who am I to say right. that it's not quality? You, you right. just keep doing you, man. Yeah. It's, all, it's all good. It's I want to go back to the Toad Vine fight. I want to yeah. read this for the folks because this is a perfect example of how the whole book goes where no quotations, and I don't, just by glancing, I don't see any dialogue tags. There might be some thrown in here, but very minimal dialogue tags in the book, too, to also tell you who's speaking. Well, I remember in the beginning, there used to be like a he said or then I said or stuff yeah. like that. But as it went on, it just stopped. It just it, it <laughs> might not so stopped. You might have just completely blanked out of it. <laughs> that's, that's, a fair, that's a fair point, too. <laughs> All right. That's oh, I mean, some again. There's just like random parts of accents, but that's it. Like he doesn't go full <laughs> in, and he doesn't. Kathy. Yeah. No commitment. That and yes. <laughs> that and sing cut. That t a that n s that ends that ends cut. Said one of several men standing along the walkway watching. Kill, kill, slobber the man winding. <laughs> Fucking stupid. <laughs> kill, kill, slobbered the man waiting forward. No break, no comma, no dialogue tag. Well, I guess they. The, oh, dude, slobbered I totally the man. You were still reading. Like, no break, no dialogue. <laughs> I was like, jeez. I, I didn't remember that at all. So, <laughs> kill, kill, slobbered the man waiting forward. So it would be kill, kill, and then quotations, uh, two commas, and then slobbered the man would be the dialogue tag. But he doesn't do any of that. It's just kill, kill, slobber the man waiting forward, which if you weren't a native English speaker and English was your second or third or fourth language and you read this, you'd be like, what the fuck? I don't know what that means. <laughs> even as the, even as the first it. language, I'm still just kind of like, oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm going to keep going and see if I get it. <laughs> just stupid. But someone else. Forward, Spencer. <laughs> But someone else was coming down the lot. Great steady sucking sounds like a cow. He, he was carrying a huge shillelagh. He reached the... Ki- Why would he have a shillelagh in the Wild West? He was carrying a huge shillelagh. He reached the kid first, and when he swung with the club, the kid went face down in the mud. He'd have died if someone hadn't turned him over. Why wouldn't he just have a club? Why didn't you say club? Why you gotta say shillelagh? Like, what the fuck? Is he, cause I'm the- fucker. I'm coming down to India. <laughs> there's, there's no... There's no description of an Irish or Scottish or any kind of Gaelic man. It's just, but he has a shillelagh. Oh, you smack my tent. I'm getting away with that. The pride of my clan is at stake here. When he woke, it was daylight and the rain had stopped and he was looking up into the face of the man with long hair who was completely covered in mud. The man was saying something to him. What? Said the kid. I said, are you quits? Quits? Quits! Because if you want some more of me, you sure as hell gonna get it. He looked at the sky, very high, very small, a buzzard. 
That was it. He, that was the sentence. He looked at the sky, very high, very small, a buzzard. He looked at the man. Is my neck broke? He said. The man looked out over the lot and spat and looked at the boy again. Can you not get up? I don't know. I ain't tired. I know, and then ain't don't even got a fucking apostrophe. I never meant to break your neck. No, I meant to kill you. They ain't nobody done it yet. He clawed at the, oh, fuck. He clawed at the mud and pushed himself up. The man was sitting on the planks with his... See, they're on planks? Why are they on planks now? The man was sitting on the planks with his boots alongside... Oh, so they're in the fucking mud. They ain't nothing wrong with you, he said. The kid looked about... Sti- that would suck to have to read this, like as the like if you're doing an audiobook, because uh. the no win <laughs> to not do an accent if you're doing an accent, because there's no fucking dialogue tags usually, and it just goes into more sentence. It's fucking atrocious. The kid looked about <laughs> stiffly at the day. Where are my boots, he said. The man squinted at him. Flakes of dried mud fell from his face. I'm going to have to kill some son of a bitch if they guy ain't got my boot. Oh, fucking <laughs> um, and, like, and I know it was the West, but did, did you guys notice like, we couldn't get more than like a page or two without somebody spitting somewhere? Lots of spitting. A lot of spatting and spitting. Spitting out their brown teeth. <laughs> um, like, that's a lot of moisture to give up. In summation, I didn't care for Blood Meridian. <laughs> is there anything positive you can you you could grasp from re, you, from what you read? I thought you, some of the details, which I did not write down. If I knew I was going to hate this book, because I don't like marking up my books with markers. Yeah. If I knew I was going to not like this book, I would have just marked the shit out of it because I did like a lot of his. Like I was being sincere when I said I like that uh, thing about the phantoms. Yeah. Just not that it was a big run on sentence, but like the phantoms and the sun and stuff. I liked a lot of his descriptions about the desert and stuff. It just gets muddled in with everything. It just shouldn't have been so overbearing. Those are the things, if you throw that into your work sporadically or, you know, lightly here and there, it worked great. But when you're Cormac McCarthy and you spend a whole chapter describing the desert, I just feel like there's no real point to it. I mean, I get it. It's hot. It's shitty. There's fucking buzzards. I had to listen to that one guy's gross fucking... He had gangrene or something developing, but it just went on and on about his gross arm. Like, I don't fucking care. He's going to die. I don't even know his name anymore. Like, this... It's, I, <laughs> I, I just didn't care. But other than that, the positives of this book, I... I don't know. It has an ending. It does? It doesn't, though. It doesn't. The, you right. didn't read the ending. There's just You're man right. rape or no man rape, <laughs> and the guy's dancing naked in the bar. Which is saying something because, I like, because you said, like, it, 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 when the kid is like 40, so, like, how old does that make the judge? That's what that? I was saying. Is he like 80 and he's raping still? P- people to what? death. Not even raping, but raping to death. People in the Wild West died at like 30. So, <laughs> wh- how do he live that long? And he, I guess a whole so died of raping. How does an 80 year old overpower a 40 year old mm-hmm. to rape him in the butt anyway? It's it like, makes it, well, we don't geez. know if there was butt raping. I would assume okay. there was butt raping. Just... We're not, we're, see, there's no detail of the sexual assault. <laughs> it's left vague because artistic reasons. What about but you? What? You can look out upon the horizon and see the, the blood red sun rising over and the, the spots of gazelles jumping and then one breaks his leg. Oh my god damn it, man. A speckled buzzard soars through the sky and then and falls. shits upon a gazelle which startles <laughs> it and Everybody reminds dies. me of my homeland back in Eastern Europe. <laughs> All right, Spencer, your turn. What did you dislike <laughs> about the book? And then what did you... Because we're in a positive note. Yeah. So what you liked about the book? I just... Uh, like I said, what I, the main thing I, I disliked about it is that it was... With all that stuff going on and all the super ultra violence that I still found it extremely boring. That's fair. But I did take away from... And then this is just the thing also, too, I've talked about multiple times on just my writing style of needing to be more destructive and like you know describing things and like he would do a good job of that but it was just way too much too much too much and too often not alan moore level but too much yeah and (laughs) i think another thing that really hurt this book is we were talking about like the paragraphs you can't have paragraphs that long because when you have paragraphs that long I can't help but skim. You can have paragraphs that long if it's not a run-on sentence. But that's fair. If it's fucking two periods in a three-page paragraph, that's a problem. Yeah. If it, yeah. you know, because I've had, I've read, but well, even when I read Dracula, there's some pages where it's just a dense page, but it's not so bad when there's action and there's things going on. Yeah. And like somebody in that classic lit group, when I was talking about the no quotations being fucking very bothersome to me, they shared an example of a book they were reading 
I don't remember the name of it. Um, but it was even more bizarre in that it would be multiple. It would be one paragraph, multiple people speaking, no quotations, hardly any dialogue tags. But the way it was written was so well done that you knew everyone who was speaking and it actually flowed like you were sitting in on somebody's conversation. Wasn't that one graveyard book you just read kind of like that? Uh, Crane Achille by Martino Cayen was about dead people in a graveyard and it had uh very odd ways like people because it was literally like if you're sitting in a graveyard and just uh, dead people just randomly talking all around you that's how it's written and it has like weird dashes the a dash means it's a start of a noose like somebody starting a new sentence with a half dash like m uh, fucking n dash means that somebody is uh in the middle of a sentence like it was very bizarre but again now this was a translated version not the original iris i can't speak on that but it was written in such a way that you can, for the most part, follow every... Because once you get everyone's speech pad, everyone talks differently. So it's very easy to follow along. It's just, the, you know, the initial getting into it. But Cormac McCarthy, just like, oh, we're just going to have two pages of dialogue. No quotations, no dialogue tags. At some point, you're probably going to get lost in the yeah. mix. Hemingway did that, too. Not with the no quotations, but he would just, like, two pages into a fucking... Somebody, you know, two people having a conversation. You're like, wait, what? I don't know who's speaking anymore yeah. because so you throw in like someone says something and then he'd have a little description or something and then he like some narration and then they would say something else and you don't know dialogue tag. You don't realize who was speaking at that point. You didn't know they went and took a double turn. Now you have it back because normally when you read something, you just assume he speaks, I speak, he speaks like that's not how it always goes. So that's why you need to have some dialogue tags unless you want to be a pedantic fuck. Okay, Ashley. So your turn. What do you, hey. Negative and positive. Uh, negative. I'm going to go in a different direction. I'm going to go with the community that absolutely loves us and not to attack people, but um, the absolute, um, the vitriol associated with the community that uh, adores Blood Meridian. If you don't like it, I've got that in my comment on that yeah. classic lit group. People were hammering me and you have to finish it yeah, and you have to reread it and you have to reread it again. Like, ah, oh, Jesus. Even the one guy like, that's... was joking enough to be like, you don't read good. Yeah, he said, oh, you must not read good. And I was like, okay, buddy. He's like, you must be <laughs> bad sense. at reading if you don't <laughs> get this book. I'm like, okay, Mr. fucking Macho Small Dick. Go on. <laughs> yeah, so it's like it's like the gatekeeping that is absolutely ridiculous. I think maybe I'd be more open to examining works like this or um, when you guys are talking about the endless dialogue and no tags, I thought about uh, William Gaddis, uh, his book JR, uh, which is nothing but dialogue and you're not given dialogue tags. Um, and it's all about like finances and all this stuff. It's like 700 pages. It's ridiculous. But, um, you know, you, you talk to people that like that book and they're like, okay, yeah, I can understand why it's difficult to get in this. Let me give you some tips for understanding this. Um, if you don't get at this, you know, a lot of people don't like this aspect of it or blah, blah, blah. If the community surrounding this that just absolutely worshipped it was a little more amiable and understanding and more welcoming to people that are like, hey, I didn't get this and I think it's shit, rather than going, hey, you're an asshole and you need to be burned <laughs> at the stake or I need to scalp you and, you know, take your babies and tap, bash their heads against a rock. Like, if they were like, okay, what didn't you like about it? Let me... Let me explain that to you because I've done research on this and this is how you should read it in this way and all that stuff. It'd be a lot more pleasant, I think. It would be a lot it, more... It would at least make it more palatable, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. It'd be like, okay, well, I maybe at the end of it, after reading it a second time, after exposure to this community, I still don't like it. But maybe I don't hate it as much. Maybe I can appreciate more about it. Maybe you I understand more about it. You kind of understand why maybe you don't like it, but why they might like it. Exactly. Yeah. Well, this so. goes along the works of like James Joyce and those type of like the intellectual, uh, you know, college type of people like the university professors and they have the book clubs and stuff. And they like to discuss these kinds of works because it makes them feel superior to us, you know lower common, sophisticated common folks. yeah us peasants us on no you know we like pulp fiction type of books you know we're fucking unsophisticated losers i like comic books <laughs> i like books with pictures uh, they nice 
Like, that's the biggest turnoff, like Ash was saying, with these gatekeepers, because that's what I encountered when I made the initial post about it. And I didn't say anything overly negative. I was just like, I'm having trouble getting into this book with, like, the way, you know, the writing style. I'm not a fan of Cormac McCarthy's writing style. And that was just only, like, your first, like, couple chapters in. Like, you were just saying, like, hey, I'm having difficulties. And you would have thought that I was just straight up, like... Anyone who likes Cormac McCarthy or, or his work is a fucking asshole, and I hope they get butthole cancer. Like, that's the way they reacted to it. I'm like, this is unnecessary. And it's very strange, too, because this seemed like a very gendered topic, which I did not expect. I mean, you know, this kind of story probably would be tended uh, to be more read by men, I would imagine. But in that group, like, because there's a lot of women who read that stuff, too, in that group, which is why I like that group, yeah. is they read anything, too, but... Most women did not like the book, and most of the men that commented were die-hard fans of this book. And it was just like a very strange contrast because, like, it makes you think: like, is it because of the overtop violence? It maybe these men, like how the movie Logan was. A lot of women did not like that movie, but they could not relate to that movie because they're not going through the kind of issues that you know, like Wolverine in that yeah. movie would go through, uh, because they were it was directed toward you know towards men but this book it sucks but it just <laughs> no, this book is definitely directed towards like men and i wish that the the people in that group would have allowed the women to speak so you know because a lot of them like when they would share their opinions on the book i didn't like this book for this reason it was instant shutdown yeah. it was these fucking gatekeeping middle-aged white dude fucking university fucking assholes who that's all they could talk about is james joyce and you know how great Ulysses is, even though half of that doesn't make sense. And they're just going on and on about you didn't get it because you have a small brain. And it's like, all right. And then if you're a guy who didn't like the book, you're lumped in with that. Like apparently it makes you feminine and less macho. Well, you can definitely tell. I don't think McCarthy would even know how to write a story that females would maybe find enjoyable. I just don't think he would have that mindset. Like you know. Well, I never read his Border Trilogy. I only read The Road and half of this, so I don't know, you know. I would assume the Border Trilogy doesn't have that. No Country for Old Men in the, in the title. Yeah. Um, and uh, was was his other big one? Uh, fucking, I don't care. Um, but <laughs> I don't think he's written any stories that deal with women very much. I wish we would have... I'm going to say this on record. I wish we would have fucking... Uh, oh, what's his name now? Either like John Updike... Or who's the other military dude? Well, for the for the podcast, uh, we should have read. Um, Clancy? No, 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 no. He's literary. Are you yeah. talking like class? Oh, okay. Uh, uh, I think he's still alive. He's on the Gilmore Girls, actually. Um, well, I like, don't have experience with that. Why can't I fucking remember his name? You guys talk amongst yourself. I'm going to look him up real quick. Because I wanted to read his well, work for a while now. A positive I liked about the book... Um, and I'm trying to choose topics that are a little different than you guys. Um, I liked that there were potential layers. I'm not going to say there were genuine layers of intrigue and investigation that you find within the writing. However, the potential for that to be in there was interesting because I do enjoy reading uh, poetry, classic, classical poetry and stuff like that. And when you're reading poetry, there's an initial attraction. There's an initial understanding that you can get from it. But then upon rereading it and rereading it, you can actually begin dissecting different aspects about it and be like, oh, well, this actually means this. Or, you know, based on what I know about this author's biography or what was going on in the world at the time, I can understand this about it as well. And that gives you a greater appreciation for that, that shallow understanding uh, that you had at the beginning. And it seems like this book has that potential for deeper investigation. Can't say that I really got it, but uh, well, the I fact think that it, it potentially could be there is, is interesting. I can appreciate that. I think the problem is with deeper investigation for me is I just don't want to. Yeah. I didn't want to do the initial investigation. <laughs> like, I just... Because I, I can see, like, I, I definitely see, like, the symbolism trying to pop through. I just don't want to dig for it. Like, I just, I guess, like, those people in that group said, you know, you really need to take your time and, you know, let this develop for you and really try to, you know, research what you're reading. And it's like, yeah, but I just don't. Hello? I got other shit to read, man. I, I got cooler shit Hello? to read. Uh, by the way, Norman Mailer 
was who I was thinking of. Hello? Hello? Hola, señor. Hey, there you are. <laughs> yes. Uh, Norman Looked Mailer. Out, I was like, man, he must be going on a racist tirade. He just didn't want me to hear him. <laughs> Mute. Uh, Norman Mailer was who I was uh, talking about. Oh. Yeah, yeah, the mailer of Normans. The mailman. I just yeah. I the mailman. But uh he ain't no Malone. <laughs> but I don't know much about Norman Mailer's work, but uh, you know, we talk about like the kind of manlier fiction. I would imagine Norman Mailer would uh, fit that description. But anyway well, what's your uh, what's your definition of manlier fiction? Is it like traditional masculine perceived roles like war and all that stuff, or is it because uh, you could look at a bunch of like uh, detective novels in the 40s, 50s, and 60s that uh, appealed to men, but now would appeal more to uh, the women of the 2020s because of the uh, femme fatales and the romance and the potential relationship between the two and all that stuff. So what, what is your, uh, your categorization for more masculine literature? Well, I've always kind of split it in two, where you have the classic Jack London, Hemingway, the kind of okay. adventurous, over manly type of macho, you know, that now, kind of stuff. Say, do you take the the actual writer and consent, like, and consider it, oh. but into that too, because like a lot of those people yeah. you mentioned are also very manly, like. Yeah, I guess you could, but my second part, which is actually what I gravitate towards more, because I do like a good adventure story and stuff, but. What I gravitate towards more would be like what Hemingway would consider more of a feminine kind of guy. I would be like the Fitzgeralds, the H.P. Lovecrafts, the Edgar Allan Poe's, the more intellectual type of people. Like the people who, when they wrote, it was more about the metaphors and the substance of the story and the development of the characters and emotions, not necessarily big actions. Because a lot of people think of manly literature, they think of big actions. They think of, you know, like you said, war stories and action stories and I'm going climbing mountains and shit. Yeah, that's fun. But to me, that doesn't... Space war stories? Space war stories. You know what, Spencer? (laughs) That's too manly. Too manly. Um... (laughs) Though I would prefer like a nice blending yeah. uh, because I don't think there's anything wrong with classic masculinity to a degree. If you're, you know, smacking dames and having to make you sandwiches, well, you're a fucking piece of shit. <laughs> but, you know, but also what what was that movie? Uh, not Bewitched. Uh, the one with Brendan Fraser where he gets the wishes from the devil played. Oh, uh, something like yeah. started with the B. Bedazzled or something. Bedazzled. I, I would say bedazz- bedazzled, but I don't think that's. Uh... It's got that. One hot woman yeah. that never ages. Elizabeth Hurley. Uh, Elizabeth Hurley, that's it. Regardless of the name of that movie, it's a funny funny movie. Uh, the one part of it, he wants to be, he becomes a basketball player. I think that's when it was. And he's like too much. He had a small <laughs> wiener though, but yeah. he was like too macho and dumb and stuff. But then he does, uh, his next wish is, I want to be the most sensitive man in the yeah. world. He just yeah. becomes this big bloody vagina of a man. <laughs> and his girlfriend ends up leading him for beat, you know, beat bullies. Like these fucking studs on the beach. And uh, that's what I always think of. You don't want to go too far. Because I could see how a Fitzgerald in his time would stand out like a sore thumb. We were like, all right, this guy, like, you're writing about all this romantic stuff. When are you going to kill an elk? Like, you know, <laughs> like I could see Hemingway wanted to fucking, you know, bop him one. But uh, Let me stab a bull in the vagina. Oh, that's Wait, no, I don't bulls think bulls don't have, have vaginas, vaginas man. So, well, in 2021, they might. I don't know. I don't they know. might. You know. But we're all going to uh, be standing in line for opening day for when the movie comes out, right? Starring Matthew McConaughey. Is he starring? I don't remember. Christian Bale. Bale Wait, yeah, Christian Bale's in it. The Blood Meridian movie, because I said, I wish there was a Blood Meridian movie I could just watch instead of finish reading this book that I understand. But it's like, well, I just saw a trailer for it. Turns out they've been trying to make it for 10 years now, and I watched the trailer, and I didn't make it through the trailer. It was so <laughs> fucking boring! It was so boring. I couldn't make it through the it's trailer. Like a movie about something that doesn't have a story. It's like, isn't that more of a documentary at that point? I don't know, but I know there's not going to be enough rape in it for my liking. Because that <laughs> wow. that book was the only good part was all the, the fucking horrible, disgusting <laughs> raping. And uh, I, don't, I don't see that happening. I don't see how you can end a, a, the movie on man rape. I mean, I guess you could because it's not shown. It's just yeah. uh, alluded to. Yeah, just alluded to. So, to those listeners who stuck around this far, I don't know how you did it, um, and who who reached out and said, I hope you guys finish this book. We did not. I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> I hope we at least broke it down and explained the reasons why we didn't 
care for the book and uh no hate towards you if you do yeah. like the book because i could see a certain kind of person liking this book not just because it's violent and stuff like that because as we discussed the violence is mundane it's like almost boring which is yeah. one reason i didn't like it you have violent like the road had a lot of violence and cannibals and stuff but it was like you know those would be focal points of the story there was no focal points of the story with the violence it was just something Day to day, everything keeps happening, and you're just like, "Why am I? Why am I going through this?" It's like background dressing. It's it's like watching videos of the Holocaust. Like <laughs> if they had fucking recordings of it, you're just like, "This is awful. Why am I watching this?" And there's like no resolution. It's just like, "Nope, this is just what was happening at the time." Why do I fucking want to see that? That's awful. I want to see somebody rise from the ashes. You know, I want to see. You know, that's why any Holocaust movie you see, there's always like a story about yeah. the actual people. It's not just, oh, they're just dying and there's these people that are fucking in control. Hogan's Heroes. Hogan's, he- Hogan's Heroes. Bob <laughs> Crane got beat to death. Speaking of violence, didn't he get beat to death for shooting a gay porn or something? Uh, I know very little of Hogan's Heroes. I don't know why I'm bringing that up. Because we're talking like violence. The, the, the violence, is, it would be like if uh, you were promised a book about intrigue and all this stuff and it was like the most insane thing that Stephen King has ever wrote, but all he does is go through the entire book writing about a character going to a store and detailing everything that he did in the grocery store and how long it took to check out and bag all of his groceries and take it home and like put everything. You'd be like, when the hell is the good stuff coming? Come on, Stevie. Well, here's what you're missing. He doesn't end up going home and putting those groceries away. He goes to load them in his car, and you see a man walk by with a gun and say, I want your groceries, boy, or else you get in the dick. And then it just ends and... to that gunman dancing <laughs> naked in the street, and you don't know if he was robbed. You don't know if his it's groceries ever made it home. <laughs> um, I will say this. This book would be like if you made a movie of the Titanic, but... All you did was show the Titanic going down and people drowning yeah, just, for an he, hour. He just showed people freezing and, and, and uh, drowning yeah. to death. You didn't have any real re- – like you show the, uh, a guy, the guy, getting his ticket, getting on the Titanic, and then you just go through watching him from a distance as he goes through the Titanic. And they say, hey, you dirty Irish boy, you go in the basement of this big old boat. You go down below. He's like, all right. And then everybody's doing a dance, and then the boat sinks, and they all die. And you're just like, well, that was fucking awful. Why did I watch that? I like that you actually brought that up as the distance, is because without actual names or getting invested in anyone, there's such a distance to where you're looking at every single character and everything in here. You're not invested because no one's an actual person. Everyone's like either a caricature or they're just like cardboard cutouts, and you're just like, I don't I don't care what happened. Like can can I get invested somehow, please? There's no connection to the reader. There's no real reason yeah. to care what's happening. It's you, you're just an observer and I don't like stories like that. And I would hardly call that a story honestly because if you're just watching something from a distance and you're not involved, it's it doesn't really matter, does it? Like is it important? Is any of this what happens in Blood Meridian really important? Because usually a good story, you feel like there's stakes involved. You're watching or reading something, and you're like, oh, man, you know, if this character dies, the fucking world's gonna, you know, there's gonna be a nuke that gets launched or something. Like, you have reason to care. But in this story, if the kid dies at any point in the story, it doesn't matter. You don't care. If the judge dies or lives or rapes, you don't care. And whoever his victims are, it doesn't matter. They don't have names. You don't know them. They could be cows for all you care. It's pointless. And I just, that's not the kind of stories I like to read. Like, I couldn't take anything away from this book that I would want to incorporate into my own writing, my own storytelling, or even recommend somebody else check out. I just, it it had no benefit to me whatsoever. And that's very disappointing, because even House of Leaves, I took things away from that I enjoyed. And that's (laughs) saying something. This episode of Drunken Pen Writing brought to you by Nihilism. Because who gives a fuck? I liked haunted more than this book (gasps) because haunted whereas i hated the story didn't like any of the characters thought it was gross for gross sake i like the way he did a short story collection as an overall narration and made it almost like a novel even though it's technically just a short story collection i took away something from that i thought hey i can incorporate this into my own writing Hey, these details, while disgusting, are at least kind of cool. They're well done. 
Chuck, this fucking blood meridian is none of that. I, just, I didn't care. Didn't care. That's that's the big takeaway from this. Didn't care. That's why I stopped reading it because I just didn't. I was reading it and I was just like, I'm only reading this for the podcast at this point. I don't yeah. care. I don't want to read this. I want to read something else. I've already almost read two books since I stopped and reading that. Oh, even Jerusalem, where I have trouble. My problem is just the length of that fucking book so far. It's yeah. just and the over like I was like, why is this going on? Like, what's the point of this? But at least there's a story there. This just didn't have any story, no personal connections, and uh, no, sir, I didn't like it. I give it, and only because we can't do, you know what, no. This is our shot recommendations, right? Yeah. <laughs> DPW, we do whiskey shots. We don't do five stars, you know, one to five stars. We do one to five whiskey shots. I give this Stone Cold Sober zero. Oh, zero. Oh, I'm sober. Yeah. I didn't drink a drop. What do you give it, Spencer? Ooh, like a one. So you did a shot just to get through the book? Man, yeah, <laughs> just to get the taste out of my mouth. Oh, okay. What about you, Ashley? Uh, I'm going to go with zero. This the 2021 has been a year of first. Like we had the first zero rated book review, and now we have the you first read zero some rated absolute and, dog shit books. Yeah, it sounded like gosh, the last couple. Dude. Every time I'm like, "Hey, what are you reading?" He's like, "Horse shit." I'm like, "What the fuck?" Guy? And more power to you, sir. So none of us have to do it. I've actually oh this gosh. was in the middle of me reading a whole bunch of great novels. So I just I don't <laughs> I, I I that's why it really caught. If I was reading a bunch of dog shit novels and I came across this, it would just be a part of the pile. Yeah. Like it'd just be festering and turning white in the sun. I don't really care. <laughs> but Ashley has been that's where he's at. He's just that's... he probably didn't care because he's reading a bunch of dog shit but i was reading good stuff and i yeah. stopped reading good stuff to read this and i was like ah now my wife told me to stop reading it because she was tired of hearing me bitch about it so i was like <laughs> okay honey you know what even though we need dennis because it's over an hour long here this book <laughs> and that's without a cold open i say wasn't we supposed to have some business at the end no that was gonna be off air oh, okay it's gonna be off air yeah, oh. we, maybe we'll have it on air Sexy. Anyway, what I was going to say is one final takeaway from this book. We didn't <laughs> the any final, more. final, final takeaway. I could see this book making people depressed, like literally affecting their mental health because I could see oh, yeah. if you're reading this kind of stuff mm-hmm. and you actually are, you know, in, more invested than we were, like if you're one of those people that really get involved in your fiction, this probably, if you have mental health issues of any kind, this would not be a good book for you. I can see this causing yes. uh, some problems. So, uh, we can't personally recommend Blood Meridian, but this is, I will say, one of those books where I would say read it just because you don't, I don't know you, yeah. so you might actually. Don't, don't finish it if you don't want to, but <laughs> yeah. at least try it. Go to the it's library like and get a yeah, copy. Yeah, Do go, the whole line. Just, go to the just library. Just like halfway, maybe. Mm-hmm. That or see if you can get like a like a sample on your Kindle or something like that, just yeah. to give it a shot to see. That's know. why I wanted to make sure I read a variety of parts of the book just so people can get a feeling. But yeah, you have to read it for yourself because even though I drone very monotonous monotonously on, it's that's how the book's written. It's very monotonous and boring. Yes, it is. Uh, every fucking sentence is like that. Every <laughs> sentence. Yeah, because like how you read it. Like bland and dryly. That's yeah. how it's written. Yeah. Like you know, like there's hardly ever any like explanation. Like you know, like things to make you like this guy screaming. Like you know what I mean? It's just like it. It's very. Bleh. There's two things he could have did to blow me away at the end of this book, even though I didn't reach it. But if I did reach it, there's two things he could have did. One, he could have had the kid rape the judge, the yeah. old elderly judge. I would have been like, oh shit, revenge, finally. <laughs> or two, he could have just been like, everyone lived happily ever after. Yeah. I'm like, oh my god, oh, this is amazing now. <laughs> Wait, what? We had this whole book and actually it's a happy book. I wouldn't have believed they got married and had ten kids and they all lived on a ranch. What unbelievable, and they all look like Clint Eastwood. Amazing. <laughs> But no, it was it was it was not great. So um, anyway, folks, if you enjoyed, we will talk about the other stuff off the air. You know why? Because this is too <laughs> long for me to edit already. If you folks want to check out this book, uh, this podcast was supposed to be book of the month for October, which it is, but it's not going to be out until Tuesday, which means it's after Halloween and it's technically November. So sorry about your luck, but there are plenty of stories on our website from the last month, uh, Halloween themed. From our open submissions we had. And Halloween. if you guys want to ever get pissed off about life, I got 20, 20 story submissions in the last two days. What's today's date? It is the 28th. I have everything scheduled for the end of this, you know, this yeah. month. Why do you wait till the end of the month to submit? Well, and then last I week- think you're going to get, you know, be published on a what? 
Saturday I'm gonna publish well, ten stories. Well, then also on Saturday <laughs> or, or like last week, you you already put out that we already closed submissions. I did, yeah. but not everybody follows us on. I didn't put it on the website, which might have been a mistake. <gasps> uh, but I did put it on social media, which apparently those people don't follow. But yes, but I'm like twenty submission. So now I'm thinking like because I have a because what always happens is the best stories come fucking last. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I'm like maybe I'll fucking read some of these, and if they if I see their quality, I'm like hey. Obviously, Halloween's over. Yeah. Maybe for October, but or for November. But anyway, folks, you know, if you want to check out all these submissions we've been getting and uh, been publishing, go to drunkpenwriting.com. You can follow us on the old Twitter at drunkpenwriting, Instagram and Facebook, drunkpenwriting. I need to learn how to do. I was trying to figure this out on my phone because Eared this does this. He puts like a picture from whatever he uses his picture for the podcast, like whatever that episode is, like Sylvia Plath, I think he had. Man. So he had a picture up on his stories. And then, like, an accompanying audio, like yeah. a clip from the... I don't know how to do that. Mm. I've been trying to figure it out. And I was like, I can make a reel, but I don't want to make a reel of it. You know, yeah. who's going to watch that? So I'll have to figure that out. <laughs> but anyway, folks, uh, thank you for listening. Thank you, Ash, for joining us on this eclectic episode. That's not the right Well, word. thank you for having me, Caleb. Yeah, you got to do your Alex Jones real quick. Alex Jones, Turn what does he think of Blood Meridian? Day. What does Alex Jones think of Blood Meridian? Well, well you know, uh, Caleb... Um, Coming into this book, I'm I'm a little retarded, so I didn't really get this at all. But I loved it. You, you almost sounded more wrestler there. Uh, oh, no, man. Feel the pain. Feel the pain, brother. Feel the pain, brother. So anyway, Bye. thank you for listening and keep smiling. <laughs> And thou hast been cast out of paradise and must piss upon volcanic dirt, creating gunpowder for Remington and all the other brands of rifles forever. Amen.